You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you, paper, digital, whatever version you have, to go to the New Testament record of the early church and how God was moving in the early church. We call it the book of Acts. It was written by one of the first... um, Second kind of second tier generational followers of Jesus by the name of Luke. He, he wrote the gospel of Luke, the story of Jesus' life, and then he came to faith and, uh, and recorded that of, of Jesus' life. And then he wrote the early story of the early church in the book of Acts. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 13 and 14 today as we continue in this series, Overcome. We began last week, which was a part of a larger trilogy of messages. This year for Riverside, we're in an overall theme where we're inviting you to step forward. And we're just a few weeks away from wrapping up this series. This series has been based on this whole year since last September, has been based on the simple letter, a verse in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the first century followers of Jesus in the community of Galatians. And he wrote in Galatians chapter five, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And we're actually going to learn a little bit about those churches in Galatia today. We'll get to that in just a few moments. But we've been talking about what does it look like to keep in step with the Spirit. And specifically, we're stepping forward with the Spirit. And this series is a part of a trilogy that we began all the way back in June. And we we looked at this whole idea of how God was moving through the book of Acts and how the Holy Spirit was releasing his power, how he awakened the early followers, then he transformed individuals and communities. And now we're looking at how he was overcoming or how the early church would be overcomers. And so in this specific series, our kind of our backdrop, our theme verse comes from a statement that Jesus made to those first followers that we're actually seeing in our text today coming to life in a very real way. And in that verse, uh, Jesus spoke these words. He said, my church will not stop. I'll put it up on the screen so you can see the exact quote. He says to to the early followers, especially Peter, he's saying, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of Hades will not be able to prevail against it. In other words, my church, my movement, not my building, but my, it's the word ecclesia, it's a movement, it's a gathering, it's a group of people, that will not stop. And today, we're the result of that promise that Jesus made, and we're overcoming today as well. And so in this story that we're going to look at in Acts 13, and 14, we're going to see how two guys by the name of Barnabas and Paul, he was being transformed, his name was kind of changing, and we're going to see this, he was Saul, now he's Paul, and we're going to see how the early church began to move out, not just to Jerusalem, not just to Samaria, but actually to the ends of the known world at that time as they understood it. And so we're going to look at all of that in just a moment, but before we do that, I want to speak to those of you who are here, maybe it's your first time, or maybe you're not yet a follower of Jesus. You somebody's been bringing you and and you've been checking it out and you're kind of wondering what are these people all about? Why do they meet together in a mall? I want to speak to the text that we're going to look at here today because you're going to hear some things that are going to be really amazing for you if you're exploring faith in Jesus or you're coming from a background maybe where you had a bad church experience growing up or maybe it was boring or something, you know, just kind of helped you to just disengage, but you're kind of re-engaging. I want to talk to you just a little bit about that because what we're going to look at today for those of us who actually believe in Jesus and what he did and we follow him and the implications that it has for our lives, what we're talking about today really has a huge impact for the story stepping into the best story 
that we could ever have. And so if that's not you yet, if you're still investigating Jesus, I want you to be able to listen in because I think if you would begin to open up your heart and begin to allow God to speak to you today through his word, you could have a transforming experience. God could awaken you, you could be transformed, and you could move into that overcoming lifestyle that he wants us to have as followers of Jesus. And so that's been my prayer for you if you're exploring and investigating specifically today. Because here's the thing, at the end of life, Jesus told a story once when he was on this earth. He talked about what what it'll be like when we enter into eternity. Whatever that looks like, he said that there'll come that moment when every person deep down inside will want to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm sure if you've been in the church world for a long time, you've heard that statement. And that's the longing of our heart. But how do we actually get there? And as I was thinking about the text that we're going to be looking at here today, if we'll all apply this in our lives as followers of Jesus, I'll be able to say amazing things about you at your funeral. I'm not wishing anybody this week, okay? But someday we're all going to face that last breath. And when we do, I'm telling you, you will want to have applied and lived out what we're talking about here today, not just for a little bit of your life, but for the whole of your life. And the people that have the best experiences at funerals apply what we're going to be talking about here today. This morning, we're going to unpack this whole idea of pages and devoting some pages to God as we talk about living out the best story of our lives. Now think about the best book you've read over the last, over the summer maybe, or over the last few years. What are some of the elements, the ingredients of a great story that you really, really enjoy? What are the, what are some pages devoted to? You know, for me, I love the action books. I'm a Star Wars nerd, so I love the Star Wars books, you know, and I'm always, that was part of my, what I read. I read a lot of spiritual books, a lot of Bible and all that stuff. But I also love all of that other kinds of stuff where there's great intrigue and there's suspense and there's action inside of there. There's great scenery, um, you know, that, that they describe in vivid detail. Uh, there's some tension. There's a good guy. There's a bad guy. How many want some romance on the pages of your great page turning books? Anybody like some romance? So um, guys aren't going to admit that. I'll never admit that. Uh, But when Han Solo and Princess Leia kiss, that's kind of cool. But anyway, uh, let's see here. What else do you like? Oh, I was asking my wife today what she, uh, this morning before I left for church, uh, she said, I want the the epilogue to help me to answer some questions that I didn't get answered throughout the course of the book. You know, like jumping ahead and telling me what it's like for a few years. Think about what you really like. And that's what we're going to be looking at here this morning as we look at this whole idea. Now, One of the things is, is the characters in a page-turning story, what are they like? And sometimes you're reading a story, let's put this question up on the screen. Sometimes you'll read a story and there are people, someone who makes things happen. Then there are someone, sometimes in the story, someone who watches things happen. And then there's a lot of times people who are left wondering what happened. Which are you in the story of your own life? Are you a person that makes things happen? You're watching things happen? Or you're lost and way behind and you're wondering what in the world happened? Okay, I won't make you raise your hands, but we're all somewhere in there as we talk about this. And we're going to look at two guys today who, as God used them, they were making things happen. And they had devoted some great, great chapters, some great stories to God and to his work. And so the question I want us to begin with this morning is, does your story, your life story have ministry chapters? 
Now, if you're not careful, you'll begin just tuning me out right away because you think that ministry chapters are only for pastors, are only for professional clergy. That could not be any further from the truth. Every single one of you has the opportunity to live this out. And if you've come from a church background where only the paid professionals, so to speak, are the ones that have ministry chapters, they're the only ones that do ministry, take that little thought, open up the trash can, dump it in there, and then hit delete and get rid of that idea. Because we all can have ministry chapters, and that's what we're gonna look at here, this healthy cycle of ministry. Living for God, serving Jesus, following Jesus, and a page turner of a story has some great ingredients, and that's what we're gonna see here as we begin. So don't dismiss this just yet. Acts chapter 13, we're gonna begin in verse one. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and there were five of them named there. You can see it in your notes. I kind of condensed it down to Barnabas and Saul on the screen there. And what I want you to notice as we get going here is that the diversity there, you'll see a guy by the name of Simeon, Lucius, and Manaean, and they're all from different parts of the country. They're all from different areas, different continents even, but they're all at this church, this global church at Antioch where God has begun. And we've already looked at that in previous chapters in Acts of how God had birthed the movement to reach the Gentile world. That's you and I, if we're not Jewish, Gentile world was started right here in Antioch. And so they have all this diversity and they were a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, spirit-enabled church. And it says there was Barnabas and there was Saul who is going to change from Saul to Paul because he's Saul, Saul is his Jewish name. Paul is his new name in, in the Roman empire. That would help be how he would best be able to connect with a Gentile audience. And so those guys, look at what happens. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, sanctify for me, that's what set apart means, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The thought here is that I wanna encourage you to devote some pages to a great beginning. Say this with me, everyone needs and Antioch. Would you say that with me? Everyone needs an Antioch. Antioch is home base. Antioch is where you begin to be trained and developed and discipled. It's where you begin. It's like the pre-ministry pages. You gotta have the solid foundation. It's the place where you get to come home to. You go out and you do the work of the ministry and then you come back and you get filled up. You get encouraged. You get blessed. You get resourced to be able to go out and live. That's why when Michael was reading that text about not forsaking together, getting together as some are in the habit of doing, when you forsake gathering with other believers, when you, say, when you forsake your Antioch, you begin to lose your passion for serving God, for following Jesus, for living in the way that he's designed you to live in your workplaces, in your schools, in your classrooms, on your campuses, wherever it might be, where God has placed you to do the work of ministry in his world today, wherever he's called you to in that arena, you need a home base to be able to come back to. And that's exactly what Antioch was. Notice what it says there. It says they were worshiping the Lord. So an Antioch is an established place where people worship Jesus. There's community. There's spiritual growth, and there's preparation for the ministry that God has called them to. Every great story 
of a person's life who offers the early pages of ministry to the Lord has that. They have worship and you have, they have, there's fasting and there's community. There's listening to the Holy Spirit. There's growing spiritually. It's the preparation stage. It's why every week when we end the service, we put those two images up on those. For those of you who've been around for a long time, the resources are down here on either side. It's learning to follow Jesus, the first steps of that. And it's um, being loved and understood and redeemed by God And those two resources are designed to begin to help you with that so that then you can be coached through learning to follow Jesus so that this Antioch Riverside, if this is your home church, truly is a home base for you to be able to launch out. You were never designed to live this life alone. You weren't designed for these rows. That's why in just a few weeks, we're gonna launch our fall semester. We're just a few weeks away from being in groups yet again this fall. We continue with verse three. So after they had fasted, and prayed, again, spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, seeking God, listening for the Holy Spirit, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. And not only does um, do Paul and Barnabas go, but John Mark goes as well. And John Mark was Barnabas's cousin. John Mark played a role in the story that we looked at last week in Acts chapter 12 when Peter was released. They went back, Peter went back to John Mark's mother's house. And so you can see that John Mark is the guy who wrote the gospel of Mark, who he eventually uh, partnered with Peter. He's gonna have a rough time in this story. We'll look at that in just a minute. So you get Barnabas and you get Saul, who's called Paul, and you get John Mark, and they're gonna head out together in do, to do this ministry. Now, I want you to see where it is that they're gonna go. So this is... Um, This is where they're starting over here. Jerusalem and all of that is down here. The gospel has come up to this area right here, the Syrian Antioch. Now, what you're gonna see is there's gonna be two different Antiochs here in our story today, Antioch and Syria and Pisidian Antioch. And that's because after Alexander the Great died in the Greek empire, one of his grandsons had a dad who was named Antiochus. And when he died, his son named 16 cities Antioch. So there's a whole bunch of like, you know, talk about arrogance and pride. You know, it's like how many Springfields are there across the United States? Well, you got all these 16 communities. So there's two different ones and I'll try to keep it straight. But what we're gonna see is they're gonna make their way down to here to Cyprus, which is where Barnabas was from. And then from here, they're gonna head up to here and they'll go into Pamphylia. And then they're gonna work their way up into this Antioch. And then you'll see here's Galatia and they're gonna be in Lystra and in Derby. And you're gonna see here over here, there's, you know, all the way from the beginning beginning to end and back around again is over 1,200 miles. Took them two years to do what we're about to talk about. So for us, two chapters, a few paragraphs for them, an enormous investment of time, resources, and they needed Antioch to be able to help fund them, to help support them, to be able to do the work that God had called them to do. They're going to travel by land. They're going to travel by sea. They're going to be in danger. We're even going to see that Paul nearly loses his life as we walk through this. But they begin by devoting some great pages to a great beginning. But here we're going to see the challenge for us is to devote some pages to ministry. Devote some pages to ministry. So here they're going to get in. They've been sent off We don't just hang out around Antioch. If all we do is gathered here and never did anything, what good would that be to the world around us? We are to be here, but then we are to be every single week sent out, sent off to do ministry, not just inside the walls of Riverside, but in our communities, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. 
So they travel, you'll see the text. We're not gonna read here. We'd be here till Thursday if we kept through, went through the whole text. But they go 16 miles to Seleucia. Then they go 130 miles to Cyprus, which again was Barnabas's home. Then 100 miles to Salamis. And the whole way, the text tells us, they preached good news, they healed people, they endured hardship and difficulty and trials, and they overcame so that the word of God was spread. There was even a time where you'll see it in there. There's a, there's a whole deception piece into this. There's a person who is a, um, is a sorcerer. He's a false prophet. Paul encounters him, deals with him, action-packed. If the music could be playing, you'd hear some real cool music going on there. But God is thwarting the work of the enemy in this man's life, and he's eventually redeemed because of it. And they're preaching the good news to people. Then they head 12 miles to Perga, another 100 miles to Pacific. Uh, uh, to the other Antioch, and the whole time they're sharing this message of good news. Now in Acts chapter 13, and this is where, uh, for those of you who maybe aren't yet followers of Jesus, in Acts 13 verses 16 through 43, Paul preaches his first sermon that we have recorded in the book of Acts, and it's a long sermon, and so the, here's, here's the gist of what he basically says. All of history was pointing to Jesus. And he traces all through the Old Testament as a good Jewish man would be able to do. He walks them through all of the major highlights from King David and King Saul all the way back to Abraham and all of that context. He helps them to begin to see the good news about Jesus. And he talks about how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. He preaches repentance. He acknowledges sin. And he invites people to repent or to turn away from their sin. He describes to them the glory and the splendor and the holiness of God. And when we get a hold of just how righteous and just how holy and just how perfect God is, it convicts us. It arises within us this desire to be made right with God. And Paul says you can be made right. In fact, he uses the big theological word, you can be justified. Justification, it's being declared not guilty. It's being declared righteous before God. And so Paul is going out and he's spreading this message and he is not giving a shallow version of it. He is not backing off the fact that we've made mistakes that we're broken, that we need healing, that we need redemption. And so he, discover, he talks about all of that. The central core of his message is the perfection of Jesus, how he lived, how he died, how he was buried, and how he was raised to new life. And that resurrection power can be inside of living within you for the forgiveness of your sins. And when people began to get a, get, get a hold of that, in community after community after community, churches were birthed and they were baptized. And that's why, if you'll notice inside the Riverside app, in just a few weeks, actually, in, I think it's in October, we'll be having our next water baptism service. We're gonna put a tank up here and we're gonna celebrate with people who are coming to faith in Jesus because that's the first thing that Jesus said to do when we begin to follow him. And so that's what they did in that first century church as they spread this gospel everywhere. That's why we do what we do. If you're wondering, hey, why are a group of people gathering in a mall of all things? We do it because of the message, because of the risen Christ, because we actually believe that his life, death, resurrection has implications for us, not just eternally, but in this life to come. And so every time they would go, there'd be rejection, there'd be persecution, 
So they leave there and they go 90 miles southeast to Iconium. And it says in chapter 14 and verse one, there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Jews and Greeks. They would start in the Jewish synagogues when they would get rejected by the Jews. They would go to the Gentiles and the Gentiles were receiving the message with a greater openness than the Jews were. But these Greeks would come to faith. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their mind, minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly. Notice this, for who? For the Lord. When you have seen a man die in a hideous way on a cross, in a, in a mass murder, in that scenario, when you see that man come back from the dead and you're encountering him, that's what you do it for. That's why we devote pages. We do it for the Lord. That's why we devote pages to ministry. It's for him who confirmed what did he confirm? The message, the good news, the gospel, this thing that I just shared with you. Jesus lived, died, was buried, and resurrected. That was what he confirmed over and over and over again. And when Jesus promised that, we would, that the church would be built upon that message, he meant it. And it is the message that must be shared in ministry. We must share that message of how Jesus has transformed our lives. That has to become a part of our DNA if we're gonna devote pages to ministry. It says the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. God is doing an overcoming work in their midst. They're stepping forward in community after community, traveling hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles to get this done. There, they left again due to threats. They ended up 20 miles southwest in Lystra. Interesting little note, if you want to, you Bible scholars want to check this out, over in chapter 16, when we get there, you'll see it, but it's in this community of Lystra that a young man, most likely in this experience that we're reading over in Acts chapter 14, when Paul and Barnabas get there to Lystra, a young man comes to faith. And the second time that Paul comes back around to Lystra, he picks him up and they go on to ministry together and it was Timothy. Timothy finds Jesus somewhere right around this time, begins to follow him and then becomes the guy that Paul writes letters to and that helped to plant churches and helped to pastor churches and took the gospel late into the first century. And here, Timothy shows up where they continued to share the gospel there in Lystra. During that time, God healed a man who had never walked because of the interaction that he had with the good news. Revival starts to break out. They actually try to make Paul and Barnabas like gods and in that moment, Paul and Barnabas are like, no, 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 no. No, we're not God. He's God. We don't do this for ourselves. We do this for him. That's why it's so important that anybody's up on this platform isn't doing it for themselves, but they're doing it for the one whose name they bear. We do it for the Lord, first and foremost. And as always, they receive the good news, but then jealousy, anger, bitterness rises up, and there's trouble quickly forming. And so here's what happens in verse 19. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. 
left him for dead. He could have backed off, but when you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, when you've been filled and baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't back down. You're an overcomer. You keep moving forward. The disciples had gathered around him. He got up. He did something that I would not have done. He went back into the city. What courage. What amazing courage. I'd love to be able to tell you that I would be, yep, hey, let's go back into that. I'd be a little scared, a little nervous. So when you are devoting pages to ministry, what do you take away from this? You expect rejection. You be prepared for hostility. That's why when I talk about sharing good news, when I talk about passing on our faith, I always encourage you to do exactly what Jesus taught his disciples to do, and that was look for people of peace. Jesus taught his disciples when he was heading them out, look for a person who is a person of peace, someone who's receptive. Paul, Barnabas, found people who were receptive. They found people of peace. They also ran into people who were not people of peace. If people start hurling rocks at you, that's not a person of peace. You need to head out and move on. And that's exactly what they did in this community. They end up moving on, heading on, heading out. And it's right about this time that for whatever reason, and, and we honestly don't know the reason, John Mark bails on the trip. He deserts them. We don't know if it was because he was homesick. We don't know if it was because he was afraid. We don't know, actually, it's even theoretically possible that at this time he didn't fully get, because he was a Jewish man, maybe he didn't even understand fully why Paul and Barnabas kept going to the Gentiles. Maybe he was not, it, that was a big issue. We take that for granted because we're all Gentiles. But in that first century, that was a difficult thing for him to see them keep doing it over and over again. Whatever the reason was, he deserts them. And he goes on. And it was actually, whatever reason it was, Paul did not feel like it was a good reason because later there's conflict over that. But in this moment, he deserts them in the middle of all of this. So as you devote the pages to ministry, remember that it's got to include ministry. Uh, it's got to include the message but there's gonna be rejection, there's gonna be hostility, there's gonna be, eh, I don't know. The goal is not to fight about it. The goal is to look for the person of peace who's re receptive and open to the message of how Jesus has changed your life. From there in verse 26, we see that they sailed back to Antioch in Syria where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they now completed. They sailed back. They were in Antioch that was in, uh, to, to Syria. I mean, they were, they were in another part of the world. Let's put the map up for a minute. I can show you better that way. So they're here. They're right here. And what's the shortest route from here to where they need to go? Right here, right? They don't do that. They actually go all the way back that direction. Why did they do that? They did it because they wanted to strengthen the disciples, and we're gonna see that. They wanted to go back into those communities because they had launched those churches. Now they wanted to go back around that way again so that they could help strengthen, develop, encourage, and build up those disciples. But it says, let's go back to verse 26, where they had been committed to the grace of God. So they go back to Syria, but they go all the way around the long way to do that uh, for the work that they had now completed the thought here is that we need to devote some pages, not only to ministry, but to completion, to actually finishing what God has challenged us to do. 
And there's some really difficult questions that I wanna ask you right now. My heart is not judgment. My heart is genuine pastoral concern for all of us in this room. Have you fizzled out? Have you bailed on devoting some pages to ministry? When you volunteer for something, whether that's here in the church or somewhere else, and it's ministry related, which everything can be ministry, but specifically when you're trying to reach the good people with the good news, or you are involved or you're volunteering, you've gotten involved in the ushers or the greeters, or you got involved in children's ministry and it got a little bit hard or got a little bit inconvenient, got a little bit difficult, you were in over your head a little bit, did you bail? Time to re-engage. Time to step up again to complete what God has given for you to do. There are talents and gifts and capacities and abilities in this room and you got burned out or you got hurt along the way. Maybe it was here at Riverside. Maybe I messed you up or somebody else. You know, Mike is great at messing people up. So maybe he messed you up or whoever, who knows? I'm kidding. Maybe we dropped the ball. Maybe somebody else in some other church dropped the ball and you've been afraid. You have gotten out of it. Today is the day to begin to step forward again. You've been hearing messages since last September. Step forward, step forward, step forward. And you know, deep down inside, you've bailed. Today is a day to re-engage, to give it your all in following Jesus. When somebody receives the message, we must not present a message that is a weak version. In fact, look at what it says of what they did back in verse 21 and 22. They go back around again, and here's their message. They preached the gospel, that good news, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And then listen to their message. We must go through many easy, cushiony, fantastic, lack of difficulty seasons in life. No, (laughs) not the Western Christianity mindset here for far too many people. It says we must go through many, help me out, hardships to enter the kingdom of God. You see, when we make the message all about the comfort and the ease and God is my genie in a bottle. If the message that you share to other people is, is, hey, I found Christ and everything's been just fantastic since then. When that's the message that you give people, they will come for the wrong reason. And then when life is hard, when difficulties arise, when there's loss and there's disappointment and there's unanswered questions and there's groundbreaking, faith-shaking experiences that occur in a person's life, they'll get disillusioned and they'll walk away because they came for the wrong reason. Our responsibility is to say, hey, Jesus changed my life, his life, death, and resurrection. But that doesn't mean that life is easy. There's hardships along the way. Paul and Barnabas didn't set those first century followers up for failure. They set them up for success so that they could see, oh yeah, following Jesus, most likely gonna cost me my life. They completed the assignment that God gave them to do. You know, when you are in a ministry role here at the church or outside, it matters how you complete it. It matters how you cross that finish line. It matters how you hand that thing off, that role off to somebody else. Think about this. Jesus finished completely his ministry his pages when he was here on this earth. But imagine if he hadn't have. Imagine if he decided, yeah, you know, 
this cross thing, I've been up here for a couple hours, I'm out. And he calls all the angels down. You and I are still in a mess. But he says all the way to the very last breath, it, help me out, is finished. And our responsibility is to finish the work that he's given for us. Verse 27, the story continues. On arriving there, they got back to Antioch, their home base. They get back there a couple years later. They gathered, notice what they do. They gathered the church together. They reported all God had done through them. But notice that it's, the emphasis is on how, God, how all that God had done. He did it through them but it was all about God, his glory, his splendor, his power, his majesty, his movement, all God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. They went back home and they devoted some pages to a great ending, the post-ministry pages for God's glory. They returned, they gathered, they reported, they refreshed, they celebrated, and that's what a good ministry chapter ends on. There's closure, there's recharging, there's refueling, but as we're gonna see in the weeks to come, this was the first of three trips that Paul will take. They completed that cycle, they finished that chapter well and that season well. And the challenge is, they could, have, you know, they could have just gotten stuck right there in that ending chapter, but they didn't. And the challenge is, is that you and I could be stuck in our ministry seasons. Maybe we got stuck weeks ago, months ago, years ago. Maybe we've never even begun a ministry chapter. Today, you're gonna begin to say, you know what? Yeah, I want some chapters devoted to a great beginning. I want some chapters devoted to ministry. I wanna complete some great stories. I wanna invite God to use me bring himself glory through my life. And I want to end really, really well. My invitation, my challenge for us all today is to keep writing new chapters. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck in the old chapters. Keep writing new chapters. These two chapters, 13 and 14, we've just barely scratched the surface of what these, what's in these things, but everything is in here for a great page-turning spiritual story. They had spiritual leaders with a spiritual ministry, who went on a spiritual mission, who faced spiritual opposition, and they experienced spiritual victory. They overcame. That can be your story. That could be my story. Again, what are you doing in this season of your life with the pages of your life? What do you do when you finish a great book? There's a little bit of a, there's almost a little bit of a letdown, a little lamenting there. And you're like, oh, I finished a great book. I want to find another one. That's my hope is that if you have finished a season of ministry, maybe you finished a season of ministry in the, in the spring and you've had these summer months off and we're getting ready to gear up. You're gonna be hearing about all the groups that are gonna be offered. Maybe it's time for you to offer a group. Maybe you'll hear about what the opportunities are in Nexus Student Ministry or, uh, or going uh, with the Children's Ministry in the Kids Zone and Kids Club on Wednesdays and Sundays. And you know, you think about the missions trips that we go on. You don't have to go across the world. Right here's our mission field. It's both and, it's not either or. What chapter are you currently writing? What chapter are you in? 
What will come next for you? You see, we devote the pages. God writes the story. We devote the pages, he writes the story. So what chapter are you in and what's next for you? This message is completely countercultural to our consumeristic mindset. God has never invited us to be consumers. He wants active participators. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, this has implications for you. Has implications for me. And one of the questions that I'll ask, assuming I don't die before you, I'll say, tell me about their ministry pages. Because that's what makes for a great spiritual story. Let's pray. Just bow your heads with me and I want to pray for you. We're going to respond in worship today. Who are you going to process this with? This message that you've heard today. Where do you have some work to do? And you know, who hopes, just think about this for a minute with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Who hopes that you'll get to work on what you've heard today? Who hopes that you'll respond today? Is it a child in a nursery or a young child in preschool or elementary that need invested in because of your abilities and capacities, because of your heart for ministry? Is it a student or a young adult or an adult? Is it someone that's at your workplace? They desperately need to hear the message of the good news. And you've maybe been hoping that it's just living a good life in front of them but the Holy Spirit would say to us today that it's more than just living the good life in front of them. That's part of it. That's how you begin to get access. But there's an actual sharing of this message, this good news. One of the first century writers wrote that we need to be ready at all times to share the hope that we have. Heavenly Father, we need a home base. For many of us, for probably most of us in this room, it's Riverside. If those that are visiting God, they, they need, if they're from out of town, God, maybe they need to find an Antioch in their own hometown. Help us not to take for granted what we have here at Riverside. A place where we can grow and experiment and stretch and build our spiritual muscles, launch out into the mission field to work with you, to co-author, to begin writing some great ministry chapters. Father, today we step forward, Lord, and we offer you the pages of our life. We want to start or perhaps restart today to live our best story. Lord, there may be those today that are listening. They're exhausted. They need refreshing. Maybe, Lord, the season that they've been in is a season that's drained them. Or perhaps, God, we've been trying to devote pages to you We've been devoting pages to ministry, but we've been doing it in our own strength. God, some of us, we got into ministry roles and they weren't in, it wasn't a good fit for us. It wasn't a good time. It wasn't a good season, but we've stepped aside. We haven't finished as well as we know we can. So Lord, would you give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today and then the courage to step forward and follow through on it. And Father, there are others of us, we've refused to grant you access to the pages of our lives up until now. But today, God, we want to begin by acknowledging 
taking ownership of our own brokenness, the sin in our lives. We repent from that, Lord. We turn away from that. We trust in you, Jesus. We ask you for forgiveness, cleansing for your grace and your mercy. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill us, to pour out yourself upon us. And we'll submit to your will for our lives. We'll keep in step with your spirit. Lord, others of us, as we're sitting here, we've bailed along the way somewhere. We've not finished what you've called us to. We want to re-engage. We want to have great chapters that are devoted to ministry. We don't want those things and those seasons to be just a memory. Maybe we've gotten stuck in a chapter, and today we're stepping forward to overcome. Lord, it's in the name of Jesus who wrote the best page turner ever that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.